well let's get started this week we're doing uh we're gonna pick up where we left off last time we left off at the end of 1978 and we're gonna get it in 1979 so there are some similarities and we'll see that as the game goes on but the thing that we left off the last one with remember is the the, the little games that the nfl plays right if you remember in 78 they had the three-week period where the saints lost 20 to 17 twice to the falcons should have won both games they didn't and the Falcons make the playoffs at 9-7 and seven and win the franchise's first ever playoff game over the Eagles. And the Saints uh, finished 7-9 and nine and, and didn't make the playoffs. Well, who do you think they opened up the 1979 season with? The Falcons. The Falcons. I mean, it was just it was just sickening. Yeah. You know, it was it was exciting and sickening. Like, you, you, it was kind of like this, the feeling you had going into that first game this past year with the Buccaneers mm-hmm. and Tom Brady. It's like, on one hand, it's exciting, but you, you just don't really know what to make of this. Like, you kind of wish it wasn't the first game so you can kind of get your ducks in a row a little bit before right. you played them. And yet, so much about the 78 season was all about those two Falcons. I mean, there were other games, but it was kind of all about those two Falcon heartbreaking losses. So it's set up for an exciting summer. Looking forward to it for sure. Let's recap 78 real quick before we get to 79. Uh, of course, we got to it in our last episode of 78, but this is just a quick recap of what happened. Uh, the Saints had never won more than five games in a season before 78, and they go into se- they go 7-9 in 78 with the new head coach, Dick Nolan. Archie throws for 3,400 yards in 78. He makes his first Pro Bowl. The Saints had some crushing losses that we discussed to the Falcons, the Big Ben game on the last second pass, and two weeks later, pass interference call in the end zone on an interception, gave Atlanta another set of downs, and they scored the game-winning touchdown. The Saints also lost to the Steelers, where the Saints seemingly outplayed the Steelers. Archie threw for 344 yards in that game, but the Saints could have won that game very easily. So in 1978, we're look, you're looking at the thing, and it's like, as a fan, they could have very well have won 10 games that year. Absolutely. And so it was it was exciting because they had never been good. They were, you know, they were being talked about as one of the best offenses in, in the league. And Archie was a Pro Bowl quarterback. And, uh, you know, they had two exciting running backs. They had a great wide receiver. So it was there was a lot to be excited about. We headed into 1979. This is the first time, really, that there is some excitement heading into a season. Nolan's the new head coach. He came in and won the most games in team history. Archie's entering his prime, coming off the best year of his career. The Saints drafted Wes Chandler in 78. He looks like he's going to become a star. They already had Chuck Muncie, who's really starting to come into his own. Henry Childs led the team in receiving in 78. Tommy Myers on defense had six interceptions in 78. Kevin, you said he's probably the best Saint player well, in history at this best, point. Yeah. yeah. So in 1979... Let's start with the draft. Arguably the most infamous draft in Saints history because of the first round pick, which is Russell Erksleben, kicker and punter from the University of Texas. In college, Erksleben was nicknamed Thunderfoot. He had 11 field goals of 50 or more yards and three of more than 60, including an NCAA record 67-yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, he was, remember, the soccer-style kickers were just kind of coming into it. This was an old-school, straight-ahead kicker. I don't really care for Texas football right now, but back then I kind of liked Texas football. Earl Campbell, Roosevelt Leaks, I kind of liked. I always rooted for Texas against Oklahoma and against A&M. So I kind of liked him because I saw him kick in college and he had this big leg and it seemed exciting. And yet it was just, it wasn't a total disaster, but it was mostly a disaster. He was not a good kicker, field goal kicker at all, as it turned out. He was an average NFL punter. He mm-hmm. was okay as a punter, but he was. it turned out he just couldn't transfer. And it's weird. Over the years, 
you would think that kickers would be the easiest ones to analyze from how you do from college to the NFL, and yet it's they seem to be as hard as any of them. Very few kickers are picked early that they, they turn out to be good. For right. whatever reason, it's hard to get a good grasp of how they're going to tr- make the transformation from college to, to pro, and he was awful. Even though it's such an infamous pick in Saints history, during our draft episode, you alluded to the fact that it did make sense. Because you were getting a two-for-one guy. You were right? getting a two-for-one. You kind of were good everywhere. I, I, I understood. What I what I was saying was I understood the mistake that they made. Some of these other ones' mistakes, it's like, I just don't even understand this mistake. It was, you know, the picking the wrong linebacker at Ohio State or picking a college fullback to be a first-round pick at linebacker who hadn't even played that much linebacker in college. Like, mm-hmm. those in the first round. So those things didn't seem to make any sense to me. This one was a bad error, but I kind of understood it. And they got something out of him because he was a decent punter, but it was just, you know, he had such a a unique name. And then it turns out that he was kind of a squirrely guy. He got in all kind of financial kind of white collar crime stuff Mm -hmm. when he was done. So it was, it was not good. We head into 79. Uh, The Saints are going to play the Falcons in week one. So like you said, Got through those two tough games with the Falcons in 78, and they begin the season with in the 79 with the Falcons. So what do you remember about that game in 79? Well, again, it, it, it's just the cruelest of cruelty. They, they, they played well. Um, they had a chance to win, obviously. Erksleben makes a 38-yard field goal to force overtime. So that was something. You know, you had, you had this new player. You drafted him in the first round. Uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't do a whole lot, but he did make two field goals in that game, a 37-yarder and then a 38-yarder to force, um, to help force overtime. So, and yet things are, you know, you get into overtime and it was a, there was a, he gets, he holds the ball too long during the overtime. He, it gets, um, where he just throws it up in the air Mayberry catches and it runs in for a touchdown, and then boom, you're um, you lose the game with Erksleben right in the middle of it, the guy you had just drafted in the first round. And not only do you lose the game in overtime, you lose forty to thirty-four, which is double the score of the two twenty to seventeen <laughs> losses yeah. the year before. It was just a cruelly, you know, it was just as cruel to Saints fans as it could get. That the irony of that was just so thick it was unbelievable. Erksleben gets injured right during this season at some point, and West Chandler and Tony Galbraith are actually kicking for the team, kicking and punting. They did a little bit, yeah. It was bad. The Saints started 0-3 in that year with a, a loss to the Eagles and a loss to the Packers. So. And speaking of similarities to the year before, remember they got off to a slow start in uh, in 78 as well, and part of that slow start was basically the same teams. If you remember, they lost to the um, – they lost to the Packers early in the season. They lost this year 28-19 and 79. The year before, they lost 28-17. Basically the same game right. to the same team, about the same kind of place on the schedule. Then they lost to the Eagles um, 26-14. The year before, they lost to them 24-17. Almost the same game, mm-hmm. same team. So they were struggling with the green teams, but right. the, the Eagles and the Packers. So, yeah, the, it was, it was kind of interesting how similar – those two years were. The other similarity, and this is a good one that I like about this team, is they actually went 4-0 against the Cheaters, the 49ers, in these two years. They, they swept them in 78 
and swept them in 79. So they were kind of, um, you know, a team that they could get well on a little bit. And the other team, the other similarity between the two is the Giants. They beat the Giants 24-14 to this year. And then the year before, they beat them 28-17 by 10 and 11 points. So there were some real similarities between these two seasons. So the excitement's at an all-time high heading into 79, but then they start the season 0-3. So are you starting to feel like... Well, yeah, you're starting to feel like we're back to the same old Saints, like people always say, like they got our hopes up and they're going to crush our hopes again. And that's kind of what, you know, you were thinking. And yet, again, you still had good players. You still had an above-average quarterback. You still had really good and talented running backs and, and, a, and a great young receiver. So... It was frustrating, and yet there was still hope. So in week four, the Saints play the 49ers. The Saints are 0-3, but the 49ers are also 0-3, and both teams needed to win pretty bad. The Saints proved they wanted it a little bit more. They racked up 30 points in the game and 512 yards of offense. Archie had 338 yards, and the Saints win the game. So the Saints kind of get off the schneid, if you will, here and win their first game against the 49ers. And that that offensive total was was a team record at the time, an all-time team record at the time. So I didn't really hate the 49ers slash cheaters back then because they had never really done anything. That was about to happen in the next season. But it was going to all start in, in in the decade of the 80s at the beginning. But that was uh, – they, they kind of got well, like you said, That was and they needed to. That was a good one. Following the week against the Giants, the Saints got off to a 17 to nothing lead. They held off a giant rally. Rookie quarterback for the Giants, Phil Simms, saw his first NFL action against the Saints. Chuck Muncie had two touchdowns against the Giants. The Saints win 24-14. So now it kind of seems like we got a little bit of momentum going on. Uh, absolutely. And over the years, it was kind of the beginning. Now, they we had that one game with the Giants where, you know, Breeze and Eli both threw for like whatever, seven yards. and six yeah. touchdowns. It yeah, was yeah. unbelievable. But other than that one... A lot of the Giants games over the 80s and the 90s were like these slugfest type defensive struggles. And, and this one was kind of more like that one. Week six didn't go so well. Tony Garbath scored the first touchdown of the game to put the Saints up 7-0. But then the Rams scored 28 points in a row. They lost 35-17. to Archie had five interceptions. Five in that interceptions in this game. Uh, it, was in, it was at home in the Superdome. Like you say, you had won a couple games in a row. You're feeling good. And then you, he, they just, you know, you just laid a stinker. And, and this was, you, you get five turnovers. They actually had six. They had a fumble, too. So they had six turnovers wow. in that game. You just can't win that way. That was, that was an awful opportunity they just handed away to them. So in the week seven, the Saints are two and four, and they're going to Tampa Bay. Now, at this time, Tampa had the number one defense in the NFL, and it looked like it was going to be another loss for the Saints, but that's not what happened. The Saints won the game 42-14, a blowout win over Bucks, over the Bucks. So what do you remember about that game? Oh, I remember that game very well because I don't know if I've told this story yet, but I have three younger brothers, and one of them, the brother right under me, Marcus, is a uh, decided when the Buccaneers came into existence in 1977 that he was gonna. He had a little rebel in him, I guess. He was gonna become a Buccaneer fan, and he still is to this day. The, he picked him up the very first year that came into existence. He was seven years old, and he just decided, "I'm gonna pull for this new team with the funny orange-looking uniforms." Mm -hmm. And he has stayed with it all these years. He is still a Buccaneer fan, obviously, riding high right now. And so me and my brother under him, um, my youngest one was like two years old. He didn't know what was going on. But at the time, me and my brother Jason, 
that for like years, almost any time we got, we would start talking football, we would turn to Marcus and say 42-14, 42-14. Like that was just something, 42-14. Yeah. Like if we just had, you know, we just had that in our back pocket, at least for that whole year, right. you know, 42-14. Anytime you start to say it, 42-14. So I definitely remember this victory. It was a great one. So the Saints are now three and four after that win against the Bucks. They're one game out of first place in the NFC West, and they are going to play the Detroit Lions. Now this game got kind of got kind of feisty. Um, Archie actually chased a Lions lineman from the field after the lineman stepped on his hand allegedly. Tommy Myers returned an interception, fifty-two yards for a touchdown. The Saints win seventeen-seven, and now they're tied for first place. Tommy Myers was good, like I'm saying. And you know, if you notice, he had that great interception return for a touchdown against the Vikings to start the '78 season the year before. No, he 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 was really good. This was I remember David Hill, the um the the tight end. He he was really good for the and he caught a touchdown pass in that game. But um, if you look at the box score, it was a pretty ugly football game. We didn't care. Got the victory. That, that, you know, you just were trying to see. And things are getting really exciting again. Saints have the number two offense in the league at this point. So what are you seeing from the Saints offense that maybe you haven't seen before? You didn't even see in 78. That's 79. They're kind of taking the next step here. They are. They finished the, the number four offense in the league. And, and the other thing that they were doing – this year and we're about to mention it again here in this next game is they actually had the number one uh they didn't have the most sacks in the league they had the fifth most but they had the best sack ratio in other words how many sacks they got to how many sacks they gave up because Archie was real good at eluding you know he was very elusive and they and they had you know a good tight end a plus tight end they had uh, a plus receiver and two plus running backs so they could do some things up front JT Taylor was a pretty good offensive overall I don't know how their offensive line was great but they had a couple really good ones so no I, I think they had a really good offense and they were being more efficient like back in 77 when they lost that game if you remember the Buccaneers that we were talking about the one that we got so much grief for mm-hmm. that made 42-14 so much fun to say right. uh, two years later was it was just awful offensive game and just throwing deep for no reason, you know, when when you could run the football at, at will. Their offense just made more sense now. So they're four and four after the 0 and three start and they're tied for first in the division as they're going to play Washington. So what are you thinking here? Tied for first in the division, are you thinking now we're back on track or are you still thinking we got a lot of work to do? Well, I mean, you know, again, we were just we didn't know what we were doing. We just wanted to be fun. You know, we, we wanted to we were in a playoff race for the second straight year. Like, we were in la-la land. We were kind of like that mindset that Saints fans had in 86, if you remember when Jim had told me. You know, i never seen people so excited to be 7-9 and nine right. before. We were, it was that, that mentality. We were just excited to be relevant in any kind of way possible, and, and they were relevant. It was fun. Washington is 6-2 and two at the time, and this ended up being one of the best defensive games in Saints history. The Saints win the game 14 to 10, and they had seven sacks of Joe Thiesman. Uh, Aloyas Grooms had three sacks by himself. And I had just brought up sacks and said I was going to. My big memory of this game was at the end of the game, the Redskins are driving. They're in the red zone. And it was like, oh, don't blow this game kind of a game. And Grooms got a big sack of Thiesman on fourth down to end the game. It ended with like, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds or something. You know, he had 12 sacks that year. We mentioned Don Reese earlier that they had traded the number. He had 12 sacks. So they had two defensive linemen with double-digit sacks. 
as I said earlier, they were plus 29, which led the NFL in sack ratio, and and they it was the most sacks they had ever gotten as a, as a defense in the in the franchise. What what are they at this point? Like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. years old. So we talked about the offense, but they were also doing some good things on defense as well. Then we don't and, hear and it's fun to sack the quarterback. We don't hear a lot about the defense here. It's all no, about Archie, uh, Archie, yeah. and uh, but Lloyd's Groom was good. Don Reese was good. Now the problem with Don. And, one of the things we're going to talk about a little later is this, this is not an extremely old team at this point. So why all of a sudden did they completely fall apart the next year? You know, all you hear now is you had these bags in 1980. But again, in 78 and 79, they were playing some competitive football and with some great wins. This win at Washington was a great win. I mean, you could argue it was the best win to that point in the franchise's history. Right. And, and the year before, like, they played the defending Super Bowl champion Steelers on the road to the very – I mean, they were playing some exciting football against really good teams, historically good teams. It really made no sense why they, they fell apart. But one of the reasons why – and Don Reese was one of them. They, they had a bad drug problem on the team. And that – you know, that's not something they're, they, they've talked a lot about over the years, but it's been chronicled somewhat. But, but no, he – again – very talented, and you can. He was a first-round pick of the Dolphins, right in the middle of the Dolphins' heyday in the early '70s when they were winning the Super Bowls and all. And this year, you could see that talent. I mean, they they made the trade for him, and and he had 12 sacks, and Grooms had 12 sacks. So the Saints are now five and four, and they're in sole possession of first place in the division right now. They go to Denver, and I remember this because we were we were building a new house at this time. And I remember watching this game on a little bitty black and white, one of these little bitty TVs, plugged in with like just the studs in the house. You know, we it was still being built. The house wasn't yeah. close to finish. And I was in the corner in what was going to be the living room, kind of on the opposite side of the room where a year later I saw the Astros clinch their first ever playoff berth. But I was on the other side of the room on a little bitty plug-in black and white kind of TV and it was about as boring I mean this game you could tell it just had nothing to it yeah. like there was just nothing to this game and the defense played great and the offense did not now remember the Broncos are what one two years removed here from a Super Bowl team and they were still pretty good right it was November so I don't remember it being overly cold in Denver but mm-hmm. but it was just an ugly football game that it had been nice to win but they could they didn't get the win Saints lose the game 10-3 so now they're back to 500 at five and five but they get a rebound game against the 49ers chuck had three touchdowns in that game the saints beat the 49ers the score was 31 to 20 again and they you know that they swept them these two years and you know the 49ers were were not a great team at this time but it was it was you know it's always good to get a win like you say again they were winning the ways that good teams should win they were playing good defense they were running the football. Muncie had 117 yards and three touchdowns in that game. So it was it was just a nice, solid win. Next week, week 12, they play at Seattle. They lose the game 38-24. to 24. Seattle, in this era, what were they like? I don't know anything about them. I mean, I, they weren't overly good. About three years before that, the Saints went to Seattle and scored over 50 points in the game for the first time. But they were just starting to get exciting. Steve Largent was a young, good wide receiver at this point. They had a quarterback named Jim Zorn who threw for, what, almost 400 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Kind of a riverboat gambler kind of team. You know, they had this 
I don't like left-handed quarterbacks, but Jim Zorn was this short left-handed quarterback mm-hmm. who was kind of like Fran Tarkenton. He ran all around the field and threw the ball deep, and he had what ended up being a Hall of Fame receiver in Largent on his team. So they had some, you know, they were pretty good, and obviously it was tied going to the in the fourth quarter, and they scored two touchdowns late, and the Saints did not answer. So the Saints are 6-6, six and six and they are going against the Falcons again. Now, remember, we just got finished losing the two big games in 78, and we lost the opener to the Falcons in 79. So now you're going into the Falcons game again, and, you're, I mean, you got to just be thinking you don't want to play gotta these guys. Got to beat this team. Yeah. Got to beat this team. And this is one of the great feel-good wins in Saint history because at the time, I mean, it just felt so good to crush them after three straight heartbreaking losses where you could just as easily could have been three and zero or two and one, but you went zero and three. They they crushed them and and it was it was it was tremendous. They they you know they outrushed them, they outthrew them, they had more return yards, they had fewer penalties. It was just a total face crushing, and the Falcons were due this face crushing. Yes. They needed that. And uh, and they got it. The Saints had actually lost the Falcons to the Falcons in '77, so they lost the last game to the Falcons in '77, the two in '78, and the first one in '79. So they were on a four-game winning streak against the Saints, and the Saints got up big in this game, 24 to nothing at halftime. They never let up. The defense had another good game, forcing six turnovers and getting five sacks. Wes Chandler set a team record in this game with 205 yards on six catches, and the Saints won 37-6. Now look at these last four games. Four games ago, they played the Redskins, played a great defensive game, won 14-10 at Washington, high-profile team, and you know, and, and then they went to Denver and won, lost 10-3, but the defense played great. I right. mean, they, they scored the touchdown in the fourth quarter. And then they played pretty well against the 49ers, gave up 20, but they were they were up handily that game. But then you play this game against Seattle, and they just get lit up. Now, again, that's one thing about to say about that. That's a lot of traveling. That's going to Washington, then going to Denver, playing one home game, and then going to Seattle. So maybe that travel had mm-hmm. something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jim Zorn and them had a lot to do with it too. But And then the Falcon game. Um, in Atlanta where you held them to six. So they played four, three or four really good defensive games, and in the middle of there was just a stinker. So at this point, you're still you're still a younger man, so you don't have the knowledge and the wisdom that you had back then. But now the Saints are seven and six, and the playoffs are a reality here. People are oh, really starting definitely. to think about playoffs. Yes. So what were, would you, did you allow yourself to get to that point at, at this point after the win against yeah, the Yeah, I, I wasn't – I don't remember being, oh, we're in trouble or anything. Of course, it was scary. You were playing the Raiders. The Raiders were an intimidating team. You know, they had been so good my whole life at that point. Even before I was born, the Raiders were good. And so – they had, you know, John Madden at this point was off to one of the great, he had the best winning percentage at this time of any coach in NFL history. They were not that far removed from being a Super Bowl champion. And, you know, they were the Raiders, an intimidating bunch. And it was, and they were playing them on Monday night at home. And it was just, it was so exciting. It was unbelievable. The Raiders had a legendary history on Monday Night Football. The Saints 
had only played three games on Monday night, had yet to win a game. This was their fourth appearance. And by halftime, the Saints were looking pretty good. They were up 28-14 to 14 in that first half. Chuck Muncie surpassed the 1,000-yard mark, so they had their first 1,000-yard rusher in team history. So you're up on the Raiders 28-14 at halftime. Playoffs, everybody's feeling good. What you're thinking at halftime of this game? Well, I made the same mistake that I made. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I made the same mistake <laughs> that I made in the first in the Big Ben game. When we were up 17-3 to at the half, I called my papa and I said, we have something like we have arrived. You know, this is it. Can you believe that? No more high school team. We got to, you know, this is it. We're going to the playoffs. This is it. And not only that, they got an interception to start the second half. They were up 35 to 14. 35 to 14 on Monday Night Football. Everyone's going crazy. Cosell's going nuts. Look at this team. And they're doing all these great things. And you just, it just can't happen, right? I mean, it just can't happen. And yet it did. Kenny Stabler, who we talked about in our quarterback episode, had one of the great fourth quarters in NFL history. He threw three fourth quarter touchdowns against the Saints. One of them was a 66-yard touchdown pass, which came on a five-yard hitch to Cliff Branch. And Branch also number twenty one. He also caught the go ahead score against the Saints and the Saint and the Raiders come back to win forty two to thirty five. Kenny Borlong played at LSU. Had gotten the interception in the third quarter and he got burned bad. I can still see him chasing Cliff Branch. It was just, I mean, this was as heartbreaking a loss as the Big Ben game, really, because you had, you know, the Big Ben game was kind of back and forth and it was close, but it looked like you had won after you recovered the onside kick and all you had to do was run out the clock. And then, you know, you lose on a Hail Mary. But in this one, you were up 35 to 14 in the third quarter, had all the momentum. Stabler looked so old when he got to New Orleans just two or three years, well, three years after that. But in this game, he was still kind of in the, towards the back end, but still kind of in the prime of his career. And it was just as devastating a loss as the Saints have ever taken because really, if they had won this game, they were going to make the playoffs, yeah. I believe. And and they just they just botched it. It was unbelievable. So at that point, the season is basically over, I guess, because then the following week against the Chargers, it's just a bloodbath, 35 to nothing. Well, if you remember, short right after the Saints' two losses to the Falcons in 78, they played Dallas and they just got killed. Now, it wasn't this bad. And the worst thing about this game for me is, for whatever reason, I, you know, I was, what, 13 years old here. I hadn't understood what medicine games were yet. I, I didn't understand about the emotional ups and downs. For whatever reason, me and my, not my youngest, but me and my other two brothers, we went to this game. We were at this game. Oh, wow. And we didn't go to a lot of games back then. We just kind of watched them on TV. I mean, we went to one every once in a while. Right. But that was this. we went to this game. It would like the Saints didn't hardly cross midfield. Like they only crossed midfield like once or twice the whole game. And it was a complete and utter physical domination. They only had one first down in the whole first half. They wow. had one first down. And it was never but I mean again, it was a complete letdown. It was it was Sunday after the Monday night game where they just they had the highest of highs. When they were up 35-14, that was the highest moment that this franchise had ever been. They were playing the Oakland Raiders on national TV. They had a winning record. They were It was there. I mean, it, this was the highest that this franchise had ever been. 
and then just completely collapsed. So that this next game, they basically had no chance to right. win this game. Right. And, and now, with all that said, think of the irony here. They're playing the Chargers the next year during the the the, the devastating one in fifteen night. West Chandler goes to the Chargers. Chuck Muncie goes to the Chargers. So this team, the Chargers, in a the next year is going to represent the end of this little two year run, which was gave the franchise and the fans some hope. And yet this game kind of squat. You know, the game after the the crushing loss of the Raiders was kind of the end, like you said, and it really was the end because then the Saints lost arguably their two best players. Then went to San Diego. Right. Saints finished the season in week 16 with a win against the Rams, but really an inconsequential situation. What? How do you handle those games when the you know they win, but you know you're still happy they won? But well, they were playing the Rams. You hate the Rams, right. so I'm glad they won. You know, it got them a little closer. Again, we was we were still a very young franchise. It was still fun to win. It wasn't fun to go to a game where you get beat 35 to nothing. But this was on, and it showed a little character. I mean, you know you. Could have just tanked it, right. and they went in there and beat them pretty handily. Not only that, but it brought your record to eight and eight. So now it's the first time you don't have a non-losing season in team history. So that right. was a pretty big deal. It, it was, and so it, I, I thought it was. I enjoy. I always enjoy beating the Rams. You enjoy winning any games, but you definitely enjoy beating the Rams. So it was. I thought it was good, and like you say, you you know, it, it, you were able to salvage something. That, that was pretty good. They had three interceptions, played good defense. Lloyd's groom had another sack and a, and a safety. So it was it was finishing and out good. And then after all of this, they went to the Pro Bowl. Chuck Muncie was named the MVP in the Pro Bowl. They won 37-27. Archie's 9 of 10 for 112 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. I'm like, right now, I don't care anything about the Pro right. Bowl. But back then, you had all these Saints and Myers was in it and right. Monty and, and Childs. And uh, that was great fun. Archie Manning, Chuck Muncie, Wes Chandler, and Henry Childs made the Pro Bowl from the offense. And then Tommy Myers made the Pro Bowl from the defense. So you had five Saints in a that Pro was Bowl. a big deal. And like you said, back then – it, it was really a big deal. I remember my dad actually talking about this team whenever we first started watching the Saints. And when we'd, when we'd watch the Pro Bowl, I mean, nobody watches the Pro Bowl. But back in 79, he watched the Pro Bowl because all the Saints were Well, it was, it, was, it was a bigger deal back then. It was more competitive back then than mm-hmm. it is now. And uh, the novelty was still there. I mean, it was, it, was an, it was an important thing for the franchise to have that many guys in there. Guys who didn't make the Pro Bowl that had big seasons, you've mentioned it already, but we'll mention it again. Don Reese and Aloyas Grooms each had 12 sacks. So I know we've said it a couple times already, but we didn't talk about the defense a whole lot here. But the defense really played well. They had Tommy Myers make the Pro Bowl, and these two guys would put 12 sacks apiece. They, they weren't overly athletic at linebacker was the biggest problem I think this team had. They weren't as athletic at linebacker as they needed. But obviously they, had some, they got good pressure up front, and they had some talented guys in the back and then you know this next year after this they they drafted Stan Brock who I don't particularly like because he's not a very nice person but uh, he was really good I mean started at right tackle for over a decade Dave Waymer who had you know he's basically he's Saints all-time interception guy right you know and so they 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 actually had a pretty good draft the next year and then followed it up in 81 with the best draft in franchise history, which we talked about in an earlier episode. And so, you know, this, again, one of the things about 1980 that I, I get, a obviously it was bad. It was an awful year. I think some fans have this idea that the 
the bat. Remember the days when the Saints used to wear the bags on their heads? That was one season. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we did this for five years or six years or ten years. Right. It was that one season. I mean, those other years they were very competitive. In seventy eight and seventy nine, they were very competitive. And then after that, and by eighty three, they were they should have made the playoffs yeah. that year too. And in eighty two, they they were four and five in the strike season of eighty two. So it was really just that one season and. It was, I guess they were in transition. Like you said, they lost two of their best offensive players. They had drug issues or whatever, and it just it was just a disaster um, follow-up to two really exciting, encouraging years. Yeah, I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll do something on 80 in the future, but not getting too deep into it, but you are coming off two really good years. And in seven, after 78, expectations were really high. After 79, going 8-8 eight and, eight and and having all these pro bowlers – I gotta assume going into eighty. I mean, it's playoffs or bust. Yeah, it just, it's just, it was crazy. And we, you, right? We need to, we need to to get into more eighty. You know, eighty. I remember the, you know, there was the awful loss of the 49ers where it was very similar. They were up thirty-five-seven at the half and lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost the game early on to the Dolphins where they threw a touchdown pass into the end zone to win the game at the very end, and it got called back by offensive pass interference which you don't see very often. So there were a couple of heartbreakers like that, but the rest of them, they were just an awful football team. I think it was just a pure example of you get bad chemistry and you just lose focus. Things can fall apart in a hurry. It was a shame. But yeah, 78 and 79 were, were lots of fun. I'm very glad that we did 78 and 79 because there's so much misconception about those years the archie years and that they were never good and like you even mentioned it that they wore bags all the time that was only one season so kind of bringing light to this 78 79 stretch where they were really good was kind of fun to go through there were some really good players on this team i think you know we've all kind of fall into that trap that you just said that you know they were just so awful back then well they weren't awful every year and they did have some good players they had some really good players Mm -hmm. Maybe you just don't know how to win just yet. And, and it's some of that. And some of it was just bad. The, like the Pittsburgh loss, you can argue the Pittsburgh obviously knows how to win more than the Saints did. But the, the Falcon losses were more bad luck than anything. Yeah. And really bad breaks. And, you know, did they do some stupid things? Yes. But it was still. The Raiders lost in 79. It might be the worst loss in franchise history. <laughs> That might be an episode we could do, too. You know, uh, I, I still rank the 49ers playoff loss because it was the best Saints team ever. But in terms of just one game and a loss, and boy, that one was tough to take. But overall, you have positive memories of this era. Uh, uh, of 78 and 79, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah.